Canada, or you can use the device of your choice or a Bible you brought with you. But Psalm 13 is where we're going to start. Psalm 13. Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. Would somebody read that? Psalm 13, 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Uh, thanks for reading that. Uh, if you read the whole psalm, <clears throat> the psalmist is complaining at least somewhat, that God is nowhere to be found. In other words, he's upset because uh, that he feels like things are going on in his life, things are happening, and God is a no-show. Uh, so he is remembering all the good things about God. He's remembering who God is. And I don't know if you've... I'm, I'm reading through the Psalms right now, and I don't know the last time you read through the Psalms, but... Uh, a lot of the psalms, especially psalms of David, are, um, it's almost like David has two different sides to him. He has the human side that's complaining, and then he has the, the side of him that understands God, and then he's like reminding himself of what the truth is. So it's almost like an argument going on in the psalms. And I encourage you, if you ever read through them again, if you're reading the psalms of David, which they... Uh, Roughly, like the first 75, most of those are David's, not all of them. But most of them are. And then there are Psalms of David that are interspersed in the rest of the Psalms. And then some of those other Psalms, they don't have any author or it's Asaph or, or whoever. So, there's a Psalm of Moses in there. Uh, there's just a number of different Psalms. But it, it, this is one of those cases where you're looking at the Psalm and it's like, God did where are you? And then there's the other side of the story where, well, of course, you know, God's always been faithful, and I'll put my trust in Him, and I'm going to love Him forever. But I don't know where He is right this second, and I'm a little irritated about it. Okay, Darren, you kind of understand what I'm saying? Do you ever have those conversations? All right. So he's having a conversation. And uh, one of the things that I want to talk to you about is hiding. And, and that's really... Uh, what the nature of this is it has to do with hiding, and uh, to talk about hiding, especially when it comes to God, we, we kind of have to go back a little bit. Now, first of all, look at the structure of these verses. It says, "I trusted in your steadfast love." Is that past tense or present tense? Past. Past tense. So something he had done. Then he says, "My heart shall rejoice in your salvation." Past tense, present tense, or future tense? Future. Future. Alright, so he talks about something in the past, that's about trusting. In other words, I trusted in your steadfast love, so in the future my heart will rejoice in your salvation. So then he says, I will sing to the Lord. Is that present, past, or future? Future. Future. So he's going to sing to the Lord, it's in the future, okay? But then he says, the Lord, or he, dealt bountifully with me. Dealt. Is that past, present, or future? Past. Past. Alright, so everything in this psalm, these verses that we're looking at right now, is either past or future. 
What's going on right now? Well, that's what the rest of the song's about. Right? He's, he's feeling like God's nowhere to be found. But he can talk about the past because those are the things that happened to him. And he can remember and he can say, well, in the past, I trusted in your steadfast love. In the past, you have dealt bountifully with me. And he can remember those things. Those things are true. Those things are accurate. Those things are his part of his life. And so that's part of his story. And so based on that, he can look toward the future and he can say, all right, but and I will, all right, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. So I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to sing to you. So he knows that's going to happen. In other words, that's coming. But what's going on right now? Well, he feels like God's hiding from him. And uh, that isn't correct. God isn't hiding from him. And so to understand what really goes on in these times, I'm not saying he doesn't feel this way, because he does, obviously. That's what the Psalms are about, is how he feels. And there, there's certain things that he's experiencing that he writes about, and then there's certain faith statements, certain historical statements, things that have happened, things that are going to happen, and all of that that he writes about. There's prophecy in the Psalms. There's all this, this gambit of whatever you want to look at it as emotion, as, as reality, as, the, as history, as future, as prophecy, whatever. All this stuff is going on. And so I'm not denying that he feels a certain way. But I will say, and categorically in this particular instance, that it's not true. And there's sometimes you feel things that aren't true. They're just not. Like I have irrational fears sometimes. And at no point is an irrational fear true. I, I can say that with confidence that an irrational fear is not true at any point. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? What would be an irrational fear? Meteor's going to hit my car tomorrow. A meteor is going to hit my car tomorrow. Well, that's not true. That's your phone's going to ring right in the middle. Right in the middle. <laughs> that's not really irrational, though. That's fairly rational. Because that happens a lot. I'm going to die trapped in a box. All right. That's irrational. All right. That is irrational. <laughs> and it's important... It's important to, be, to identify irrational fears versus rational fear. Like, in other words, like, uh, first time I went to China, the first time I ever went there, and this was before anybody was in China that we knew, or I believe, yeah, the SARS outbreak happened. Remember SARS? All right. SARS outbreak happened, people had an irrational fear of catching SARS. And so people from the United States, because they watched the news all the time, and all they were talking about was SARS. SARS this, SARS that, so many people have SARS, all these people, there's an outbreak in China, SARS, 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 SARS is taking over, SARS is going to kill us all, SARS is wiping them out, watch out for SARS. Alright, that's that. So people canceled their trips to China. Just cancel them out. Alright? Now, I had a trip planned. So, I rationally looked at what the statistics are. The statistics were that there were X number of people with SARS in China. Okay? 
out of however many, a billion people. So you look at the number of people with SARS out of a billion people, and you get one out of X has SARS. And the number was absolutely, ridiculously low. And so the actual, the actual chance of catching SARS in China was so astronomically low, I believe I compared it against getting hit by lightning or something, and I had a better chance of being hit by lightning outside on Westcott Street than I did catching SARS in China. So it went. In other words, I confronted the irrational fear with actual, real stuff. Statistics that were real and made a determination, this is crap. So we went to China and had the place almost all to ourselves. <laughs> Except for the billion people who live there. <laughs> now, but we didn't have any problem getting rooms at the hostels. We didn't have any problem getting, uh, getting on tours. We didn't have any problem going to the Beijing Opera. We didn't have any trouble seeing the sights. We didn't have any trouble going to the Great Wall. We didn't have any trouble doing anything we wanted to do there. Why? Because everybody was back wherever they were from, afraid of catching SARS when they should have been hiding from lightning. <laughs> <laughs> and our flights <clears throat> dirt cheap because of it. Dirt cheap. And on top of it, we took a train from Moscow, and that train, which was almost always full, was almost empty because no one wanted to go to China because they were afraid of catching SARS. Well, we didn't catch SARS. Didn't even see anybody that we knew of that had SARS. You know, wasn't a big deal. Wait, what is it? Is that a bird flu? It's like a bird flu. Yeah. So, the uh, reason I brought that up and, and it was, it's because there are certain fears that people have that they think are rational and they're not. They're just not. And, and there's certain fears that the media promotes that as rational, and they're not. They're irrational. They're completely irrational. And so we need to differ differentiate between those two things. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to be a critical thinker. And to be able to look at something and say, okay, well, let me think about this for a minute. Does this make any sense? And the answer, if it's no, it's probably irrational, and you can move on with your plans. So I just want to encourage you that, that you know, and the reason I got on that is because I know that's not true. All right? And there's things that we think, things that we believe that just aren't true. And we need to come to a place in our life that just because we believe it or just because we think something, that doesn't make it true. Just because your mom told you something doesn't make it true. Just because your dad told you something doesn't make it true. It just doesn't. Just because you heard it on the TV definitely doesn't make it true. In fact, I, I'm shocked at how much stuff I hear on the TV is just not true. I can't tell you how many times here in Syracuse, local TV, where I've been on an accident scene in an ambulance, all right? I've been there firsthand, saw what happened, and then watched the news after, and it's completely wrong. And I mean totally wrong as to what happened, 
what the condition of the people, you know, what the condition, their conditions are, and how the accident took place, even where it was at. Completely wrong. Yeah. If it's on the internet, it's true, though. Right? That's that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, and that that's just local. That's local. How's that going on everywhere? All right. So, just saying. Critical thinking is an important part of how we face certain things in our lives. So, so here you have David, the psalmist, facing something. He thinks something is going on. In other words, God's hiding from him. That's what he's thinking. But he knows, the clear part of his brain is, God's been awesome in the past. I'm going to praise him in the future. But today, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. Let's go back to Adam and Eve. What happened with Adam and Eve? Somebody tell me part of the Adam and Eve story. And you can look it up too if you want. Genesis, yep, that's where it is. <laughs> you want to look up the Adam and Eve story, you can. Tell me part of the Adam and Eve story. Anybody, any part, I don't care. That would be in order even. God made Eve out of part of Adam. Okay, yeah. Yeah, God took a rib, a rib, okay. This is the rib. Took it. And formed a woman out of his rib. Okay. Why are your ribs all the way down there? We all have ribs. All the way down? Well, you know, they're, they're right here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel anything here? Come on. Right here. <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, he has a low center of gravity. Don't look you know, He's long torso. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they, they form clothes out of fig leaves. Okay. Yeah. Out of leaves. Out some leaves. They sewed them together, fashioned. They fashioned them. They did. Okay. What else they do? They were friends with God. They were friends with God. They walked with them in the cool of the evening. All right. Now, let's think about that for a second. All right. You ever? Okay. Hot summer day. Hot summer day, right? I love hot summer days. Uh, but as it starts to get dark, like time, you know, like this time, a little later, get a cool breeze going. I mean, you, you might be in a, have an oppressive day with heat, but you know, it gets to be the evening and a cool breeze going. It's kind of nice to take a walk, isn't it? Yeah, there's something really nice about that, and and that's the picture you hear with that. Like uh, Kim actually quoted it. And the quote is a great picture for us of what was going on with God. It was a great picture of, of how their relationship was taking place. I mean, it was a sweet time. And that is like a sweet time of day. It's a, a time where things slow down. It's a time where uh, the day is over. You're relaxing. It's cool. You get out. You enjoy it. Well, that's, that's what their life was like. And apparently, from that, that, that refreshing, that breeze, and, I, and it's something to even look forward to, that's what it was all the time. That's what it was all the time. Now, some of the parts of it that we didn't talk about, well, they sinned, didn't they? Right. That's what messed it up. And so, the break in their relationship with God is defined by what they lost. 
See, God created them a certain way. He created them for certain things. And you know what He created them for because that's what they did. That was their natural flow. That's where they went and that's what they did. And so they were created to work the garden. They were created to walk in the cool of the day with God. They were created for one another to spend time together. They, they were created for a number of things that are described in that, that place. They were created to eat of the tree of life. They would live forever. And so they were enjoying God. They were enjoying His creation right in the garden. That's what we were created for. That's what Adam and Eve were created for. That's what we were created for. And so the break with God is defined by, well, what did they lose? What wasn't there anymore? They were because they were kicked out. <laughs> right, they got kicked out. Then they got shame. Well, they felt shame. They felt shame. <coughs> See, God, after they sinned, who showed up looking for who? God, God was looking for them. God showed up looking for them. Why? Because they usually walked in the cool of the day together, didn't they? So who showed up? God showed up. Did he know they had sinned? Yes. Where were they? What were they doing? They were hiding. They were hiding. Who's hiding? Right. You see, in our mind, I want you to, I want you to think about this for a second. In our mind, if we sin, if we sin, then God goes and hides from us. That is a complete and utter lie. Because the reality of it is, when we sin, we're the ones that go high. Not God. And so, the, the problem that the psalmist was facing wasn't that God was hiding from him. That wasn't the real problem. The problem was, is that he had somehow and for whatever reason withdrawn from God. How can you hide? How do we hide from God? You really can't, right? We're going to get under a bush? That ain't going to work. How do we hide? Tell me, tell me a couple of ways that we as human beings have developed to hide. It's not really hiding. It doesn't work. But how, in our minds, how, how can we hide? What do we think? What do we believe? Hmm? You hide from people. What? You admit the truth. Or, you, know. you definitely hide from people. Okay? You, you can't hide from people. You can't hide from God, but you can hide from people. Start believing lies. Okay? Why? Because you don't want to hear the truth. Okay. Deny his existence. You can. Stop praying. Yeah. yeah. Become super busy. Mm -hmm. Stay too busy to think about it. Tune what else? Hmm? Tune them out or become numb. Become numb, tune him out, sleep all the time. Drugs, alcohol, TV, romance novels, vanity, internet, pornography. I mean, there's lots of ways. There's lots of ways we try to hide from God. <clears throat> and the fact of the matter is he's still showing up to walk with us in the cool of the day and it's the same thing as saying I'm too busy he's saying I'm hiding <clears throat>
saying I got other things to do is you're hiding. Saying I'm too tired is you're hiding. Saying whatever it is you're saying is you're hiding. Because he's there and he keeps showing up. I, thought, I think it's significant that you do get that in your mind that God still showed up for his appointment with them. For his time with them, for his spending his relationship with them. He still showed up. And he knew. He knew. He knew he knew. But there he was. Just like always. So, Adam and Eve messed it up. And what did they no longer have? They no longer had the cool of the day with God. They ran, they hid. And, and think about God's presence like that as being like a regular thing, very casual, isn't it? There's no formality to that. There's no high religious service that somehow brought that about. It's a very casual presence. And that's something important that we all understand about the presence of God is that we were created to live in that casual presence. We were created to live in that regular presence of God. That's, that's how He created us. And so whatever's standing in the way of that, whatever uh, we're finding ourselves not there, isn't because He didn't show up, it's because we're not showing up. Of course, we'd rather blame it on Him, right? Isn't that easier to blame it on Him than actually deal with something in our own heart, our own mind, or in our own self that really needs to be dealt with? Isn't it easier just to blame Him for everything? Well, if God did this, well, you know. Eh. Hmm. I mean, the, the human mind is pretty powerful as far as denial is concerned. We can come up with excuses. We can come up with scenarios. We can even come up with alternate realities. The brain is that powerful. It doesn't affect anybody else, we don't think, but it's our little world. And of course, it does affect other people, but we don't like to think of that either. Hmm. So what's the... Uh, what's your thought on this? As far as where do you go from there? What did David do in the psalm? The presence of bad spot. Okay, let's say the presence of bad spot, like it was for the psalmist. What did he do? I will sing to the Lord, praise him. Okay, that's what he's gonna do. He trusts. He reminded himself. Yeah, it seemed like he remembered, and then he spoke futuristically even though he didn't feel like he was in either one. He was right. sort of in monkey in the middle. Right, so he remembered what had happened. Alright, these are the facts. This is what has happened in my life. And so he goes back to what had taken place in his life and that was that he had trusted in God's steadfast love and God had dealt bountifully with him. Right, those were the facts. That's what he knew. And he could look back at specific circumstances, how he trusted 
in God's steadfast love, how God had dealt bountifully with him. All right? And so what I want you to do as an exercise, I want you to think of that in your own life. I want you to think of an occasion when you trusted in God's steadfast love. Anything. Can you think of anything? Where you just trusted in God's steadfast love? That's kind of weird. Hmm. Defining love. Yeah. I mean, I would be like inclined to say, well, I know he's going to provide for me, so I trusted in his provision. Right? Mm -hmm. That's part of love. Give me. I trusted that he had something better for me in life. I trusted that I was in better hands than in my own hands. Uh, to me, that that's trusting that he loves me, that he cares for me, he has the best in mind for me. To me, those things are part of love. There's been times where I've been in danger, uh, wherever I've been. And I've just trusted in his love for me. Illness. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Not necessarily you call it danger, but even like feeling like I messed something up and just trusting in God for like tools and communication to make things right with people. Right. I like to me that was love, like just God working through people. Right. to what he's telling you about the teaching about like about you hiding from God and then God's always there and you know he didn't leave it was like me who left like mentally and physically and I feel like God is like speaking to me but I don't feel like he you know what I'm feeling now is that he didn't stop speaking to me you know what I mean I stopped speaking to him and to people that's what you know you know to answer the question that's how I feel mm -hmm. I can rely on God's you know, trust because I'm like them, Adam and Eve, you know, that's how I feel like, you know, he showed up even when I wasn't showing up, you know. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. Some of you that go, uh, that's been with me on certain things I do, I'll make this statement. I'll say, God likes me. And it's usually in relation to some provision or something or something that God's going to do. And I remind myself of that by saying it out loud. God really likes me. Now, I'm not saying it exclusively. I mean, it's not like, you know, I don't think I'm his favorite or anything. I'm just saying that it's good for me to remind myself of that. And in the past, he's shown that to me over and over and over again. Now, in what ways has he dealt bountifully with you? What can you think of? Me and Lord would be like <clears throat> out in the village. You know, we bring a lunch and every day he says, don't. 
We don't bring a lunch. We're invited every time. Someone just says, hey, come here, join us for lunch. Okay, dude. Grace. What kind of grace? Like, what do you mean? When you mess up. When you mess up, things work out fine or even better. See, that's bountiful. Right there, that's bountiful. What else? I knew pretty soon after the house fire that God totally had an amazing plan in that. Yeah, there's a and, and your house is beautiful. He he did. He he didn't just he didn't just restore, he actually improved. Mm -hmm. You know, that's totally. powerful. Yeah, as a church, you know, we pray sometimes month to month or week to week for money to cover the bills. And every now and then, there'll be just a, a moment where somebody will be here on a Sunday. It could be a stranger. It could be somebody that we really don't know very well or something. Or, or someone will come in the mail. And, and there's been those moments where, you know, somebody will drop $1,000 into the hat. Or, so, or somebody will mail $5,000 in the mail, you know, and we catch up on everything and we're all good. But I always think about that, how that's just bountiful, man. That, that's like overflowing good. And uh, so you know, even in a, on a corporate level, we can look at that and say, well, you know, God does deal with us bountifully. And he has. <coughs> he, he has. I, I point to specific times where that's happened. So, I know that he continues to. So, based on that, and, the, and, I, and I want you to really consider that, based on those two things, then you know that in the days ahead, it's like, this is what you do about it. You, you remember when you trusted in his steadfast love. You remember when he dealt with you bountifully. And then you know that your heart is going to rejoice in your salvation. And you know that you're going to sing to the Lord. That's what's going to happen. And even whatever you're feeling right now, even whatever you're going through right now, even whatever that is, it is what it is, but that doesn't change what has happened, and it doesn't change where you're heading, if that's your attitude. And that's what I want to, I guess, get across to you is this, is that if we come to a place in our hearts and our lives where we realize that God's there, that He's right here, right now, that he is right with us, he's ready to take that walk with us right now. If we can get, at least get our minds wrapped around that, all right, let's begin to think in terms of rejoicing. Let's begin to think in terms of singing to the Lord. Because we know what he's done. We know how he's provided and he's poured out into our lives. Let's begin to think in terms of rejoicing and singing. Because he's right here. He's right here. And you know, your mind can change in a moment. It can. We want to make it more complicated than it is, and it's just not that complicated. Our minds can switch in just a moment. We can see something completely differently than we've seen it before. And if you've ever had those kind of moments, you know what I'm talking about. There's moments of revelation. There's moments where God will just change our perception on something, change our understanding of something. I've had moments of revelation where... He's shown me something that have changed the course of how I was going in my life or, or ministry or whatever it was. Moments of, of revelation or faith even 
where I've, I've exercised a certain level of faith in that moment and nothing was ever the same again after that. How you explain that? I don't know. I don't think we need to make it more complicated than it is. You know, I, I, I give you an example of one thing. Some of you know this story, so I don't want to belabor it, but uh, prophetically, God spoke to me, and it was in a moment my mind changed about this, where I was standing in New York City. I'd gone on a prayer tour, and I was in New York City uh, at, at New York University. I was actually in Washington Square Park. And I just began to prophesy out loud in the park. It was the middle of the day. And prior to that, I had trouble doing that. I had, I had um, struggled with things like evangelism. I remember when I first became a Christian, I knew I should be doing evangelism. I couldn't even walk up and hand somebody a, a pamphlet. I was so weird about it. And so I had to, something had to change. And so I'm looking at it like, all right, well, of course, I don't have anything to model from. I don't have anything to go from. So I'm just there like, okay, well, what do I do now? So I was on one of these prayer tours that I did, and I was standing there watching this prayer, and I just began to prophesy. And as I was prophesying, the words were coming. I, I closed my eyes because I was standing on the edge of a fountain thing, and there were, and there were people walking by, but whatever. And I figure I'm in New York City, who's going to listen to some crazy guy just spouting <laughs> off on a fountain, right? And so I just kept going for a few minutes, and then you know, I was, was kind of slowing down a little bit, and I opened my eyes, and man, there's this crowd around me listening. Like, they're really interested. <laughs> and, and the word I, it had something to do with the university, it had something to do with the park, it had to do with the people, and... God was doing this, and God was moving the hearts of people this way or that way. It was a, it was a flowing word. It wasn't a picture. It was a, um, like a, just a flowing word. Kind of a, God is saying this, God is saying that kind of word. And so I kept going for a few more minutes, and I just stopped. And uh, I was like, all right, well, amen. And they were all standing there like I was supposed to say something else. Like, that's it. <laughs> you know, but something changed in me in that moment and I look at that and it's like well was that word for them yeah it was definitely for them was that word for me that word was definitely for me <clears throat> now, not the words themselves but the moment the opportunity the obedience of it was for me and it changed my mind from that point forward and I never had a problem again with some of the things that I had been hindered with, some of the things that I had been reluctant about and hesitating about. And it, didn't. it just went away. So I know it can change us in a moment. I know it can. I know it can change you in a moment. So um, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Another couple questions. One. And we already answered this, but when God's presence seems elusive, who didn't show up? Me. Me. Right. Second question. How big of an expectation do you have? And you don't have to answer this, so I want you to think about it. How big of an expectation do you have of walking with God 
in the cool of the day. That sweet experience with him. As being casual and regular. Now those of you from religious backgrounds, how hard is it for you to see God's presence as casual? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yet, you know, from the language the Bible is written in, and from the roots of where Christianity came from, it's very casual. Languages that have the formal and familiar forms in them. You know what I'm talking about by that? Like French? To say you in French, if it's formal, it's vous. If it's familiar, it's tu. Uh, I think Spanish is like that. Yeah. You know, if you're talking to an older person or somebody you don't know or whatever. And so, wouldn't you expect if our, and I want you to think about this thing, if our perceptions of casual and the presence of God, uh, our religious expectations, I'm talking to religious people here, if they were correct, Shouldn't the Bible have been written in the formal? And yet, you read any French Bible. I speak for the French, I speak for the English version of the Bible. They're written in the familiar when it comes to God. When you say you to God in French, it's two, not vous. And you would think it would have to be, but it's not. Even the, in, the, in the Old English, you was the formal. The was the informal. So even in the old King James, when you say, Thou art my God, I will always follow thee, and all that stuff, that was the familiar, that wasn't the formal. That's not formal. Only because we don't use it. <laughs> yeah, only because it's been associated with the King James Bible. But see, if we were alive when that was written, it would have been the familiar. And so, even language-wise, it's borne out that his presence is casual. And I, and I know there's a lot of religious like, uh, formalities and all this stuff like that, but we've got to get past that. And, now, and, and it's easy to see with like the Catholics and the Episcopals, because they, they've got the robes and they've got the fancy cathedrals and... And, and all of these things that are pre-printed and it's up, it's down, it's kneeling, it's this, it's that, it's all these things that seem so formal. And I know that. And so it's easy to see that, but then you look at all the other kind of Christian stuff. Like, uh, you know, having been in my grandfather's church, Baptist church, uh, I remember I went to a Baptist service with my girlfriend when I was in high school. I hadn't been in church in probably 10 years, right? But as soon as they did certain things, I knew exactly what came up. I knew that whole praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, all above you, heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Right. I knew that. How did I know that? did it every week, alright? That's how I knew that. You gotta do that. Oh, the, the offering's done, so you gotta do that. Or whatever it was. I don't know what it was. 
but there are certain formalities. And we, we get those in our head, uh, that, well, this is the way you meet up with God. This is where God is. This is how God works. This is what God's doing. But he's a lot more casual than that. I mean, we got other things we do here, you know, and, you know, it's like, let's, it, it, the casual is important. Because there needs to be that familiar daily expectation for it to happen. That we don't need to work ourselves up to it. We don't need somehow to rev it up to get it. One of the things I can never convince certain people that were here at the beginning is that you don't have to like really rev it up in order to get in the presence of God. He's here. Yeah, but I mean, the real presence of God. I'm like, no, nah, he's really here right now. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, the one that you can feel. I'm like, he's really here right now. And reality is, he's right here right now. That if we could get past the crap and, and move with his casual presence in our lives, there'd be no need to rev it up. I mean, if every now and then you want to get excited about something, go ahead. Go ahead. But you're not drumming him up somehow. The pagans believe that. We don't. Pagans believe you got to get up and do a dance, and you got to get up and sing a certain song and do it the right way, and then all of a sudden they can feel it. That's pagans believe that. They do. I've been to a church like that before. I was visiting home. What's it? One of my coworkers, she just had a conference, it was like Assemblies of God, but the whole joint was in Spanish. It was cool because it had like the, um, dun, 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 dun. like it was really cool. Um, but then it's like, the preacher was trying to preach and it just kept going. Mm -hmm. And he had people standing up like, like shaking all around. It's like, I didn't really know what was happening except like people were just shaking. Mm -hmm. Just stopping, it wouldn't stop like, but like, <laughs> he was just like, <laughs> and like, I don't know what he was saying. The praise just kept. Yeah, I got I got no problem with manifestation of spirit. I've been in lots of churches like that. All right, I preached in churches, tried to preach in churches like that. Uh, in fact, uh, I I was uh, there was this woman, Amy Cortez. She um, she's like I don't know how to describe her. Nationally known, she, she's like this big time uh, pastor, female pastor. Her husband helped her pastor, but she was the pastor. And she pastored this huge, huge, huge uh, Latino church down in New York City. It was in a part of the Bronx where uh, that was where June was born. It was a Parkchester and in that kind of that area of the Bronx. And it was one of the larger uh, Latino churches down there. And so they had me in to speak one time, and it was crazy. <laughs> it was awesome though, and and I I love you know the experiences and stuff. But here's the difference. Here's my difference. You ready? We ain't drumming God up, all right. But if God's presence gets us all excited, and He drums us up, let it rip. That's good. Alright, but us trying to drum him up is like, you know, that's like the the cart pulling the ox in a way. 
And we don't want we don't want that. We want uh, God to to inspire us by His presence to, to move into whatever He has for us. I'd like to see more of that here. All right, but I want to see it come that direction. I mean, we can always kind of churn it up a little bit. I, I've been at this a lot of years. I was on the road a lot of years. I know how to churn it up. All right. I've done it many, 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 many times. I don't want to do that. I want God to churn us up. All right. I want to be open to that. So, uh, to me, that's the that's the huge difference. The the manifestations are the same. People start to shake. They fall out. They, you know, whatever. I mean, we've had people barking like dogs and clucking like chickens around here before. But but it needs to come top down. All right. That's where that comes from, not us trying to somehow do stuff in order to feel the presence of God. You hear the preacher say, somebody's going to catch the spirit. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be chill. <laughs> right. Smack Right. So, so, so where I'm going, I think you understand what I'm saying by that, is that we want this to occur in the correct order, okay? <laughs> the correct order is that we have God moving by His Spirit, we're open to that, we're aware of it, and we allow Him to empower us and to, to manifest Himself through us. But His presence is casual, and by His desire, that's what we were created to live in. All right, that's what we were created. That sweet spot, that sweet place with him, that's where he wants us. And we need an expectation for that. And so, uh, two things I want you to get from that statement right there is number one, have, what are you expecting? Expect the right thing. The right thing is that God desires to be with you and that it's more like a walk in a garden with a gentle breeze than it is a train falling down the track. <laughs> right? You see the difference between those two things? So if you're looking for a train hauling down the track, you're going to miss the nice walk. Because, well, that's not a train hauling down the track. I am the trains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so you want to think of it more as a sweet spot, like a nice, gentle breeze and a walk, than you do anything else, because that's what it is. That's what we were created for. And so if you're not experiencing that right now, based on what we learned tonight, what we're learning tonight, what's the problem? What's the problem? Me. 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 Right, we're hiding. I'm hiding. I'm not experiencing that. I'm not in that sweet spot. I'm hiding somewhere. In my brain, in my sleep, behind the shrubs, in my hoodie, in my room, in front of the television, getting another degree, whatever. I mean, people do all kinds of stuff. All right? 
keeping themselves so busy they don't have time for a walk in the pool today. So, God's got more for us. He's got more for us, but we're not going to... It's not on our terms. It's on His terms. It's how He created us. It's what He wants for us. And you know what? When He created us, and I, I think you need to get your... Really think about this too. He didn't make a mistake. We made a mistake. So whatever His desires were for us, He wasn't wrong. He didn't need to change his mind. And he didn't change his mind. It's still what he wants for us. It's still what he created us to be. It's still who we are. And our very nature is to walk with him in the cool of the day. In a casual presence and relationship. So I want to encourage you to stop hiding. He loves you. He showed up for the walk. Where are you? You know, he, he's here. He's there. He's ready. He's ready to take that walk with you. Um, it, we need to come around. We need to come around to His way. We need to come around to what He's saying. And that may be dispelling the fear that's in our hearts. The irrational fears that are in our hearts. To really just come into His presence. Even when we feel dirty. Even when we feel like a failure. Even if we feel unlovable. The feelings that we feel are not always the truth. The thoughts in our minds are not always the truth. And we need to understand that. He's waiting. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's take a few minutes to pray. And uh, anybody want to say anything before we go to prayer? Who's encouraging this? Like, there's hope. Like, it's just something that got reminded of this. Like, it's not too late. No matter where you turn, where you want to hide. It was, it was like comforting. I like the way you said, like, God knows and stuff like that. Or, who are you hiding from? I kind of feel like sometimes, for me, it's like myself. Or, like, not so much other people, but just me. Like, I can't face it. And it was like encouraging. You can face it and move on. And God's still there. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. It was good to hear because it made me think how dumb it is. Think irrational thoughts. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think, oh, I'm exclusive to that irrational thought, but really, no. Yep. It's a lie. It's just completely madness. Irrational. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then when you go ahead and go and do it, that kind of feels good because it's like, I was afraid of this. Like forever and ever. And I'm like, I didn't die. <laughs> Nobody else was killed either. I'm still breathing. Or if all the worst case scenarios didn't happen. Like, I know somebody um, who's afraid of a toaster oven. It's not me, but I do know somebody who's like, afraid to use a toaster oven. And she's always like checking in the break room. And she's just like, Do you know that I turned a toaster oven on? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. We're not going to burn up because of this toaster oven. But it's like, it's like that. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense, but like, I don't know, it comes from somewhere, like, I don't know. The pit of hell. Like, uh -huh. No, seriously. What's a toaster oven going to do? I mean, Nothing. I don't anything to about but at the same time, it's like, it's not that bad. 
not like you're getting eaten by a leopard or like, you know. Chances are slim. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> not <laughs> not. <laughs> but I mean, that's like the drastic, the most drastic thing to think about, like being eaten by a leopard, but then like, you know, in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Well, people get in their cars every day. Yeah, drive, you do yeah. everything right, still get in the cars. Right. You could have been following the rules of the road. But you know there's people who, they're like 30 years old, I'm so scared to drive. Ooh, you got a license. Oh, gosh, you know, they're like that. You know. Yeah, like my coworker, she's 28 years old. She never drove. She car schools to work every day. Now, it, could you, you, I would say that's irrational. And the reason I would say that is because the number of people that are involved in fatality in the car is pretty low compared to the number of people who drive. The chances of being in a car fatality are astronomically small. Her husband told her that they can't have no baby until she learned how to drive. No. <laughs> so that might help her to overcome her. <laughs> it's possible. Set a clear choice. Yeah. Let them make their own decision. Yeah. Either that or people want to have a baby. Give them space. There you go. He'll probably have a baby with somebody else. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 I'm always struck that he showed up that day. You know, all days, they just been deal with the devil. You know? They either treat the knowledge of good and evil. Everything's messed up. He still showed up for the walk. <laughs> I love that. He's still there. There could have been any worse thing they could have possibly done. And you know, it's like when you think to yourself, it's like, well, I did this, this, and this. It ain't any worse than what they just did. And he still showed up to walk with them. Yeah. So, I was, yeah. It's awesome. I mean, seriously awesome. Good reminder of grace. Yeah. And he, he does things like beyond how you could even possibly think. Like a, a, a I had this inability to just rest tranquil with people. Just the inability. I would have to get drunk just to sit at Andy's house. Just to go there. So I'd get there, I'd drive in the car, and bring You're not the only one. Some of us do that. If you look around the room over the years, the bottle's going to expire. And all that started with me, because then I would be drunk when people would come over. <laughs> 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 he, he, met, he met me in a dream, and he tattooed my feet. Uh -huh. And the next morning when I woke up, I've never had a problem since then. Okay. Where I've just been able to just be at ease. Nice. Huh? So it's like, it's beyond... In a moment. Just in a in moment. moment. Yep. That's yep. Is that where that song comes from? Just the whole world will change. In a flash of time, God will take you by surprise. Somebody wrote that. That was a poem. 
<laughs> it didn't that was a poem about something that happened. It didn't get poo-pooed. Poo-pooed? The poem. Poem. All poems get poo-pooed a little bit. It's really a terrible form of communication. Poo-poem. <laughs> poem. Poetry. <laughs> What was the first, you had the two questions, what was the first one about God's presence seems aloof and distant? Seems, seems, not aloof. Elusive, elusive. elusive. No. I said when God's presence seems elusive, who elusive. didn't show up? Who didn't show up? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like what happened just then. All right, let's pray. Thank you, everyone. That was very encouraging to me, too. Father, thanks for uh, meeting with us tonight. I pray that you would uh, set uh, help us to really set an expectation in our hearts, our minds, uh, for your casual presence in our life, and to enjoy your casual presence, to really enter into what you created us for, at least a portion of it, uh, a real uh, portion of, of who we are and, and who you want us to be is, is to walk with you in that sweet spot, that cool of the day kind of thing. Uh, I pray that we have uh, ever-increasing expectation to meet with you and to take that walk. Every day, God. Every day. I pray, Father, that uh, we'd be sensitive when you move in our hearts and our lives. We'd be sensitive to you wanting to use us in one another's lives. Sensitive when it's time to worship. Sensitive when it's time to express ourselves. Maybe even express ourselves in ways we never have before. But God, I pray that we would be open and just ready to roll with you for whatever you have. So God, I pray we put this into practice uh, today, tomorrow, at Kinships, Sunday, and uh, just uh, allow you to do what you want to do uh, through us, God. Uh, change your minds about how much you love us. I pray that we see more and more of your big love for us and of your big grace in our lives. And God, we just thank you for showing up every day. Every day. Give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Good to see everybody. Thanks, Andy. Every day. 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 <laughs>